Hey there, and welcome to the Fantasy Fantasia Podcast, a podcast where a bunch of theater nerds gather around and play various tabletop role-playing games, such as Dungeons and Dragons, Monster Hearts, Monster of the Week, Call of Cthulhu, and more. This podcast was only made possible by the Arts, Cultural, and Heritage Fund in Windsor, Ontario, so big thanks to them. My name is Eric Brangett, and I will be your Master of Ceremonies for tonight's episode of Undergrad, A Monster Hearts Tale. Chapter 1. A Fresh Start. A young woman and her boyfriend are sitting down in their basement, deciding on a film to watch on a rainy early fall day. The young woman is shuffling through the films, her boyfriend laying on the couch, looking rather apathetic and aloof to the situation. So, what do you want to watch? <sighs> Yawns the boyfriend. I don't know, babe. <sighs> Well, okay, I'm thinking either mm, Nightmare on Elm Street, or My Bloody Valentine, or <gasps> Tales of Eyes. The boyfriend sits up. <sighs> Honey, why, why do you always got to watch that scary shit? You know what? You know I don't like horror movies, you know? It kind of spooks me out. <laughs> what are you afraid? <laughs> lightning sets off and he jumps a little bit no no i just i just don't like i don't know it's it's normal okay every a lot of people are afraid of the dark like it's like 70 percent of of people well that's not a true fact says the girlfriend as she's searching through and he goes well, why can't we watch something fun like i don't know like breakfast club or 16 candles i'm just in a john hughes mood you know <laughs> you're always in a john hughes mood she fires back he kind of settles down and goes, oh, fine, fine. I'll let you pick. Clearly I'm not going to win anyway, but... It's been a while, okay, since I've seen Pretty in Pink. Please. And she exhales, okay, fine, okay. How about, how about this? How about I pick a movie, and then we'll watch Pretty in Pink, and then we'll see what happens after. <laughs> okay. He says with a small grin. She lays out five VHSs, and closes her eyes and runs her hands along them and picks them randomly doing eeny meeny miny mo. She finally lands on My Bloody Valentine. Ooh, I love My Bloody Valentine. You know, I really have to say they didn't really go for the whole minor killer genre until then, but I, I really dig it. Ugh, okay, so listen, you can just play it. I'm, I'm gonna go start the popcorn. I, 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 it's fine if I miss most of this film. He stands up and runs upstairs. She hears the sound of the cupboards being opened, her boyfriend whistling, and then placing the popcorn, the Jiffy Pop, on the stove. She leans back, puts the VCR in, and kicks back on the couch and begins to watch My Bloody Valentine. The credits roll, and during the credits, her phone rings downstairs. <sighs> Who calls this late at night? Jesus. Hello? There is no answer. Hello? <sighs> she hangs up. She continues to watch the phone. Some moments later, the phone rings again. She picks it up. Yes, who is it? This time, she hears breathing 
It's almost pleasurable. But she swears that she also hears some crying in it. Please tell me it's time. I'm ready. is this? Prank week isn't for another week, Bo, okay? So you, you don't need to bug out. She replies. The breathing continues. <laughs> Seriously, who is this? Shut up! He spits back at her. Just shut up! There's no need to talk. <laughs> they get all funny when they talk. <laughs> Listen, you little creep, she replies. Just because Chadley isn't hanging around with your lazy, drunk frat asses doesn't mean you can ruin my night. There's a long pause on the other end. You're gonna love it when I kill you. The phone hangs up. Chad? She calls for her boyfriend. There's no answer. She can hear the popcorn continuing to pop. Chad! Another crack of thunder. The popcorn continues. She creaks up the stairs, step by step, calling for her boyfriend, to no avail. She appears in the kitchen, seeing the jiffy pop almost completely boiling over, ready to pop out of the top. Chad, I don't know, but Bo's calling and he's freaking me out. There is no chat. The phone rings once more. She answers it. Listen. Listen, you fuck. Okay? My boyfriend's here. I called the police and I'm armed. I know none of those are true. I don't like liars. <laughs> I'll have to hurt you now. The phone hangs up. She is now terrified. She turns around. She grabs a knife from the knife stand and wheels back into the kitchen cabinet. She closes the cabinet behind her, the large pantry room that holds all of their fresh food, and she cowers behind the door holding the knife. She keeps telling herself, it's just, it's just a prank call. Chad, Chad, Chad just went to the washroom and he's here and, and, and Bo's just being a fucking asshole and this is how it always goes. A soft voice whispers behind her. They do get so funny when they talk. She turns around to a snarl and her yelling, Chad! The camera fades to black. Holy fucking shit, yo. <laughs> Is his name Chadley? Did I hear that correctly? Oh, you fucking bet. Chadley, oh my Chadley. god. Chadley, otherwise known as Chad. What a Chad, oh my. It's like Chad up to 11. <laughs> But what happened to the popcorn? <laughs> Asking the real questions here. It's <laughs> the important question. Thank you, <laughs> There are no victimless crimes. <laughs> Remember their Jiffy Pop. And our camera opens on an early fall day in one of New England's oldest universities, Oakhurst College. 
The campus sprawls across a massive clearing embraced by the New England forests, now just beginning to turn bright yellow and orange as the seasons change. A dark, glistening lake sits at the north of the clearing, with a gentle running stream circling most of the campus that leads down to the nearest town of Oak Haven. The Gothic architecture of the old buildings, covered in ivory, oxidized green copper tops, and carved creatures topping the many jutted pillars, mixes almost beautifully with the more recent additions from the 80s, starker, smooth, cemented walled structures. Crowning the center of the original block where the campus grew from is a 16-story tall clock tower. Its carved gargoyles can be seen from miles around, protecting the campus, as it were and its soothing, soft, yet booming chime can be heard through the thick forests for miles around. The campus is packed with students and faculty alike as the first day of Welcome Week commences. The quad is packed with student clubs, services, Greek houses, all fighting for the limited paved booth space and vying for the attention of the current first years entering the campus. The mixed look on the freshmen's faces of awe, overwhelmed, terrified, and thrilled being the things that give them away. Our camera pans down through all the crowd walking through the welcome booths. It settles down towards one young man in particular, walking with a little bag around his side, looking quite lost and confused. Avery, otherwise <laughs> known as Kane Kaufman. What do we see? All right, so my name is Kane Kaufman, and uh, I am searching the welcome booths looking for anything to do with film i just kind of landed on campus recently just got set into my dorm and i'm looking to make new friends and possibly find love my eyes are searching the crowd for some of the most beautiful men or women around (laughs) okay okay so as you're walking around you're definitely seeing that some people are kind of checking you out as you're walking by you are quite dashing if i do remember yeah i guess to uh yeah to actually describe what he looks like (laughs) he um so he's walking and he parts his long brown silky hair out of his face and he's wearing a pair of black aviators that he seems to never take off or at least very rarely He's wearing a tight, dark brown leather jacket that shows off his muscles. And you can tell, although he's not necessarily a bodybuilder, but he works out. He wears tight black skinny jeans with rips in all the right places with dark brown leather combat boots to top it off. Under his open dark brown leather jacket, he wears a silver pendant with a pentagram attached to it. He sounds absolutely dashy. I am slightly aroused. (laughs) My plan is working. <laughs> so as you're um, walking, so so just to be clear, you are looking for something that has to do with film, correct? Yeah, Kane's taking a look around, and he knows he's enrolled in film, but he has no idea exactly, really, how to start with it. He's He doesn't even know where his building is. He's maybe looking for people holding cameras. Maybe they're up on a big rig shooting a scene already. Maybe he's already acting in a film. He doesn't know. All he knows is he needs to find anything that has to do with his major. <laughs> he is so lost right now, but really Damn trying man. to be cool about it. 
he, he he's got some some ambitious ideas as to the film club on the first day of welcome <laughs> week eh? they're they're like mid film shoot um so so anyways so as you're walking by you see that there are several frat houses and sororities with their booths up and there are things like the chess club and and the AV club kind of all around and finally you do see a booth uh, that's kind of uh, hidden on the grass. They clearly didn't get the prized pavement space, so you kind of have to squeeze through some other booths. But there is actually a film club. Ah, my people. Kane's going to take a stroll over and check out who's around at the film booth. Okay. So you strove over to the film booth, and inside the film booth, there is a rather tall, skinny, lanky man with uh, these big frame glasses and oily hair, and he is talking to a group of people about how Citizen Kane is the greatest film ever, and he'll fight anyone that says otherwise. And he is listing all of the things as to why Citizen Kane is the best, and currently delivering through a mid, uh, what you consider a diatribe about the meaning of Rosebud when it comes to Citizen Kane. He kind of just uh, picks up his uh, side bag a little higher on his shoulder. He walks over and he says, sorry, was somebody saying how amazing Kane is? And then he just drops his bag on the grass in front of them. And he kind of <laughs> takes a pose and looks up and off to the right. But he's given the side eye to see if he's caught their attention. Oh, oh, you definitely caught their attention. <laughs> the, the young man who was going on stops and looks at you and goes, excuse me. What do you think that you're doing? Sorry, Specs. I was looking for the cool film club. Uh, would you be able to point me in the right direction? Uh, well, um, I would happen to be the president, the CEO, and the founder, sir. So I guess if you're looking for cool, he kind of like pops his collar, which is like a white and blue horizontal striped khaki <laughs> shirt. Oh. I guess you've come to the right place. And the group around him, which are a mixture of freshmen, all giggle in uh, applaud to his wit. Well, El Presidente, and I flip my collar as well. <laughs> There's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> Hello, everyone. My name is Kane, Kane Kaufman. What's my favorite movie, I heard you ask? Well, you probably don't even know what it's called or what it's about, but I can tell you this. It is of the romance genre. The group just goes like, oh, <laughs> I want, I want you to roll, shut someone down. Oh, okay, cool. Shut someone down. Oh dear. Um, so that's, that's a five. A five. Okay. So yeah. as per the rules of the apocalypse <laughs> system, anything <laughs> under a six is a complete failure. Utter. So, oh, God. <laughs> so a five is a complete failure. So what happens is you try to strike your pose and the freshmen kind of react favorably but the president chuckles and he takes off his glasses and he kind of slowly cleans them very passive aggressively as he's looking at you like he's about to give you a long lecture and says listen um i think that you're just a no good miserable tryhard, and that you don't know jack thin about film so avery because you failed i'm going to give you the condition tryhard. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so that means that this character, specifically the president of the club, does think that you are a film tryhard. <laughs> okay, let me let me write that down. Condition tryhard. I'm. Just, I don't even care what his name is. His name is Specs from now on. I, I actually like that. Let's just let's not let's not give him a name. He's Specs. 
Uh, poor guy. Oh well. Like I said, new sheriff town. So I'm gonna turn to the freshman since uh, I kind of got the cold shoulder. And I was like, not the best ent entrance, Kane. He kind of says to himself, but he he's gonna move over to the freshman and be like, so first day, first year. Who's excited? Specs kind of steps in front of you, th uh, kind of oh my cuts God, you Specs. off. <laughs> So specs, eh? He kind of cuts you off and puts his long arm around all of them and says, um, So, why don't you all come with me and we can compare all of the haunting of Hill House interpretations and their secret meaning as to what decade they were made in. And all of them just sycophantically giggle and laugh and they walk away. I, uh, I, I'll catch you in the first class. Wow. Nice going, man. And now that you see that the Specs has left and made room, you see that there is a young woman sitting at the table with short curly red hair and freckles. And she's wearing a film club t-shirt that's kind of rolled up on both of her arms, chewing bubble gum. And she's looking at you with a mixture of flirtation and disappointment. And she's kind of <laughs> smiling. <laughs> My brain's like... The possibility of pity sex is strong with this one. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, first impressions are a little tough to make, and I kind of blew it on that one, but I might have another chance with you. And I'm going to kind of give her a side smile. She goes, ah, uh-huh. Well, you did tell Specs over there that uh, your favorite film he probably didn't know. So what's your favorite film? I'm making it. It's my own. <laughs> For full disclosure, he has no freaking idea what his favorite film is. Like, yeah, he's maybe he's seen like very few and far between. So he's like, you know, uh, oh, I know uh, Star Wars always gets people's panties in a knot. Star Wars gets everyone's panties in a knot. Come on, you got to be in the film club. You got to do something better than that. She blows a really big bubble and starts chewing her gum again. It's only in French, so we'd have to watch it with subtitles. Why don't we watch it sometime this week? Oh. In my dorm room. <laughs> wow, you are a pe You really are a tryhard, aren't you? She, she stands up and she says, But, uh, you're cute. I'll give you that. I don't know, there's, there's something about you. You... You have, you have deep eyes. I don't know if that's weird, but mm, that's the first thing I've so, seen. So, I'll just tell you. Yeah, uh, Kane kind of chuckles as he removes his aviators. <laughs> and uh, I guess his eyes uh, are an incredibly deep ocean blue. It's probably his best feature, but he keeps them hidden a lot. She says, ah, so you got my biting sarcasm that you didn't want to make eye contact with me. and Instead, you'd rather live the world through aviators. Interesting. Listen. I, okay, you're clearly a freshman. I'm a sophomore. I kind of know a little bit. Listen, there's this really lame party. Well, it's only lame because, like, nobody goes, but that's kind of what's fun about it. You can do whatever the hell you want, you know? So why don't you, why don't you meet me there tonight? She pulls out a small folded piece of paper and gives it to you, and you see that's a folded pamphlet that says the Welcome Mixer. And she says, why don't you come to the Welcome Mixer? You know, some... Some students, some faculty, but uh, 
used to be really popular and really strict, but now that nobody goes, they pretty much let you do whatever you want. So, you know, you got the, it's in the, the mansion where they bring all the visitors, you know, the old mansion. So I do like the promise of doing whatever we want. Yeah, easy there. I'm going to probably show you a movie or two because it's embarrassing how little you know. He kind of moves in a step and he, he kind of like puts down his aviators and starts cleaning and genuinely says, thanks. <laughs> she honestly giggles. She kind of holds out her hand and gently, just with one finger, grazes the top of your right hand and goes, so I'll see you tonight. You better be wearing something better than this. <laughs> oh, you, you bet. And, he, and Kane's gonna, he's like, I need to end this here. They're like, we're at a good place. And so he kind of turns around, he picks up his bag off the grass, and he, he just starts making his way in a, different, in a different direction, not even paying attention to where he's going. As soon as you do that, you feel a slight itch kind of at the back of your neck. And that's it. For this NPC girl, um, I had my three strings that I wanted to hand out. I'm going to give one to yes. her for sure. Wonderful. She's my okay. only. She's given me the time of day so far. Okay. What was her name again? You did not ask her. her uh, son of a bitch. Okay. Red haired, freckled cutie. Into me? Question mark. She gets a string. <laughs> okay. Great. So she's got one string on you and your dark power has the other two, correct? Yes. Cane out. The camera pulls away from the quad and transitions into the open, giant oak doors of the library. The Dean of Students can be heard getting up on the microphone that kind of connects the library area to the quad going, Hello, everyone, and welcome to another year at Oakhurst. We are so glad. And he's, he's kind of draining on as our camera pans away from him and into the library itself. It looks like a traditional New England library with these lovely, you know, almost Tudor style with these lovely carved stone patterns and bricks lined with wood that's kind of these flying buttresses. I love that word. All <laughs> over the inside with these long, solid oak tables with the lovely smell of, you know, fresh and old books in the air. We see students flooding in, bringing their dirty feet inside, kind of spreading all the mud and dirt out into the library and back outside and all the leaves that have fallen. And as they're laughing, our camera pans through their group to the library desk. Standing in front of a stack full of books, stamping them, is Evelyn. So, Stephanie, what do we see? Yes. So, Evelyn Reed Wilson has long red uh, wavy hair, green eyes, and she has on a black t-shirt, which is almost short enough to be considered a crop top, but not quite, and a short um, plaid pleated green and black skirt with some just nondescript black shoes on, and she's wearing a silver locket and she is also definitely wearing a mood ring. Wonderful. So just to give the audience some backstory. So uh, Evelyn, you've been here for a week now, correct? Because you work at the library? Yes. Yeah, I've right. been here for about a week learning all the ropes, um, getting to know some of the students who have already been on campus and getting familiar with the layout of the library. Wonderful. So as you're stamping your books and seeing the crowd of students pass through, you notice 
that there is a older student, he is a senior, sitting at the large oak table closest to you with his nose in a bunch of books. And he's been taking summer school, so he's been there for quite some time now. And you've actually noticed him a few times. And he's just nose in his book working away. What do you do? Her breath kind of catches and she can feel her pulse racing a little bit. She um, ducks behind the desk and pulls out a little uh, makeup compact from her backpack and she's looking in it, fixing up her hair, um, putting on a little bit more lip gloss. (laughs) So as you're doing that, you just hear... Can you please tell me what exactly you're doing with my time? And behind you is someone that you know well. The bane of your week, in fact. She was hired along with you, and she was recently promoted to supervisor of the new recruits. And her name is Maddie McFinfan. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Evelyn kind of rolls her eyes without looking at Maddie and turns around and puts on a fake smile and says, Oh, I'm sorry, Maddie. I thought I had something in my teeth and it was really bothering me. So I was just checking my mirror really quickly. Maddie looks at you with her long horse face and (laughs) she has an equestrian style of visage. She looks like a horse. And she studies you with her pale gray eyes that seem to suck the life out of a room. And she goes, I can tell that you are not working as hard as you should be. And she pulls out her pen and she like double clicks and writes on a notepad. And I am watching everything, Miss Evelyn. Do you know the responsibility that Mrs. Parr gave me? I am the daytime acting temporary supervisor of the library. I know that. You've mentioned it every day. Yes, look at my badge. You see that she's actually bought a plastic sheriff badge and has sharpied on it her all of her title and um it's actually so long that like she didn't get the words the right size so the bottom just squished a bunch of the last letters wow that's very official thank you so you will recognize the power of this badge (laughs) you I'm averaging, she pulls up a stopwatch that you see is like currently clicking. You are only averaging 20 books a minute. That is absolutely not okay. You need to be averaging at least 45 to 100. Isn't that pretty much physically impossible? Nonsense. I did it yesterday. Really? Where's the record for that? In in my record book. It's right here. You see that she gave herself a gold star for, for the time that she wrote down. Now, who cross-indexes that reference book? You know, just so I know, in case anyone asks me. I'm picking up a, a, a certain turn of sarcasm I do not appreciate in your voice, Evan. No, not at all. It's genuine inquisitiveness. Well, you better get back to work because I don't want to have to report you to Mrs. Parr. And she points really dramatically at the back office. And you know very well that Mrs. Parr often arrives about uh, two hours late into her library shift. And she is currently sleeping as she mostly does all afternoon. And you know that what Mrs. Parr is known for is an incredible temper. In fact, the only way that she's held on to her job for being as inept as she is, is simply because of how mean she is. That she bullies people into keeping her job. Faculty are terrified of her. No one likes to go to Mrs. Parr. Oh, I'm sorry, Maddie. 
I'll make sure to step up my productivity. It was just a minor distraction. I promise it won't happen again. My teeth are feeling much better. Oh, well, just remember that I, and she gets like really close, like her eyes are almost like touching your eyes and watching you. Okay. Um, have you heard of the bubble rule for personal space? No. <laughs> Evelyn just kind of backs up a bit. <laughs> and her, her back is like pretty much right against the library desk right now. Okay. Maddie McFinfan then turns around and she sees some students fighting over a book in the back. She goes, excuse me, you bad. That is an original edition. And she runs over to them to break up the fight. From behind you, you hear a, psst. Is this, are you Evelyn? I turn around and give them a look like, be quiet. And I'm just like, yes. Yeah, that's me. You're looking at a uh, someone who you know to be a master student, and they have been here at the library uh, cramming ever since you've been here, and probably before, because they were doing summer classes, and they're kind of reaching um, their conclusion of their big project, and they are looking exhausted. The bags under his eyes are huge. He's got greasy hair. He clearly hasn't showered in a few days, and he smells. He's been working all, all of these hours, burning the midnight oil, and he looks at you, and he's kind of like shivering with caffeine. He's holding two coffees that are like tremoring his hand. And he says, they told me that you could um, uh, hook, hook me up with something that might, you know, help this project be better. Who told you that? Oh, you know, people. You need to be a bit more specific. Um, Can you give me a name? My friend Bastion. Okay, fine. <laughs> yes. What are you okay. looking for? Well, you know, something to, uh, I don't know, help me stay up or make me more productive or, you know, more, more creative, you know? What What do you think? You're the expert here. And you can tell he's just genuinely stressed out and just, I, 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 man, I, I, I can't fail, okay? I, I've worked so hard and I just, it, it needs to be perfect. Okay, you know? Don't, don't, don't worry. I'm under some pressure here! <laughs> uh, okay. He squeezes one of the coffees too hard and it just explodes in his hand. <laughs> Come. Okay, look. You need to calm down. If you want to get what you need, we both need to make sure that this goes smoothly. So, okay. calm down. Take some deep breaths. Um, okay. Um, I can think of a couple things that would work for you. How much are you willing to spend? Anything and everything. I, okay. Um, do you want, like, my soul? You don't need to go that far. Okay. Um, do you have 35? Yeah, here, take 50. Oh, thank you. Okay, you want to go to the second floor. Okay. Aisle three. Okay. And you want to look for the book, Magic of Wickmaking. What you're looking for, you'll find in there. And it's just going to be some herbs that'll help you calm down. It's in a little silver vial, some uh, green liquid. That'll help calm you down. And then if you go to the third floor, aisle 16, uh-huh. and you're going to look for the book Topiary Treasures. Topiary Treasures, okay. Yes. In that one, you are going to find a black leather bracelet with a gold diamond charm on it. And um, just, you know, wear it on your wrist, and it's going to help remind you to... 
concentrate. Oh, he, he literally bursts into tears, um, embraces you, and you feel the other coffee cup break in his hand, and it pours just kind of like all over the desk. Uh, you realize it's cold, so you don't even know how old this coffee mm-hmm. is. And he literally just breaks down in tears and just runs up into the second aisle, like jump kicking, like a, like a musical chorus, just the most happy you've ever seen someone. Evelyn just kind of sighs, um, shoves some money in her bag really quickly and grabs some paper towels and starts wiping up the desk. What a weird day for you, eh? And as you've been cleaning, you look and you see that the senior boy is looking down at you, cleaning the coffee with a with a gentle smile. And do you want to kind of describe what he looks like or do you want me to? He has uh, dark black wavy hair and green eyes. So he kind of giggles as he kind of like flows his hair back because it was in his eyes. And he goes, uh, do you have the um, that law book that... You know, the one right after this one. He pulls oh. out one, and uh, you see he's just looking for the next year. Yes, yeah, I've, I've got it right over here. Um, there's been quite a few law students in lately, and I figured one of you would need it sometime. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm I'm Nick. I don't know. I've never really said my name to you, but I feel like I, I see you all the time. Oh, well, I just started working here, so, you know, still learning the ropes. Oh, are you, are you a freshman? Yeah. Oh, no way. Wow. Well, that's nice to see you. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll see you around. Oh, yeah, that that sounds good. It's nice to meet you, Nick. Get back to work! You hear Mary, like, yell at you from across the library. Oh, um, sorry. I, I better get back to work. Uh, my name's Evelyn, by the way. Evelyn. That's, that's a really nice name. Thank you. Well, I, I should go before your taskmaster <laughs> gives you more more work, makes you clean the stables or something. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it past her. But um, yeah, uh, good luck with your studying. Thanks. He kind of grabs the books and kind of whips his hair back and it kind of flies past, you know, just out, out of his head and clears his, his um, dark green eyes. And he walks back to his desk and continues to work. Evelyn just gets a little smile on her face and she starts wiping up. She finishes up wiping up the coffee. (laughs) As you're just like kind of absentmindedly wiping the coffee up, Mary sneaks up behind you, grabs the coffee rag and drain it out on your feet and says, I don't want to see you ever being that lazy again. And she storms away. As you got the coffee ringed out, onto your feet, you turned around to go back to work, and you saw that covered in just a bit of coffee stains, there was a folded up little pamphlet, and on the pamphlet it said, want to join? And it it was put on the desk after Nick left, and you open up the pamphlet, and it is a little invitation to the welcome mixer this evening. Evelyn kind of squeals quietly, and then puts it in her backpack. Our camera fades black. The camera kind of takes off in flight and it briefly kind of leaves campus and stretches out over the New England forest. Outside of the campus we see the stream that we know leads down to the small town of Oak Haven and just as the camera hits the sign that says exiting Oak Haven as if they're just about to leave it comes a busted up 80s van 
that drives through it's it's most of it is falling apart dented and rusty and at the front of it we see the driver is headbanging to some music on the inside and our camera pans past the driver into the hollowed out back of the van and we see someone sitting there tuning his guitar with many people sitting around him all staring at him admiringly so hmm. Zephyr, a.k.a. Zach, what do we see? All right, uh, so you see uh, long hair, uh, dark hair, black hair, even better, cool. Uh, black leather vest. He's wearing uh, a band tee, we're going to say, because I'm tongue-in-cheek uh, tongue that way. It's a clean shirt. <laughs> uh, he's got uh, ripped, yeah, ripped blue jeans, wearing uh, Converse were in the 90s, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's wearing Converse. Fuck it. First one to do it, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, he's got uh, <laughs> <laughs> giant, like, eight bracelets on each arm, like, all totally different, all clashing, and he's wearing this fucking rocking red headband. <laughs> now, you are the queen. That is your character. So, for the listeners uh, at home, the queen automatically starts off with a gang. So, do you want to give us a brief explanation? Um, Zach into the members of your gang who are all present in yeah this. sure uh, driving up in front is uh, Travis he's uh, he's the tall one kind of wears his glasses a lot I don't know why always has painted black nails looks fucking sick on him let me tell you uh, he's got uh, shoulder length dirty blonde hair and uh, well between you and me the only thing on his mind is getting laid then there's Brian Brian's uh, Brian's a fucking stick in the mud I'm not gonna lie He's... <laughs> Travis let him in. He's good, 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 good. He's good at base, yeah, I guess. I'd rather have someone else, literally anyone else, but fucking can't find a bassist player. But whatever. <clears throat> Brian, that's Brian. Nothing else to say about him. There's nothing more to say, really. And then finally, oh God, there's Alexis. Alexis, going through a bit of a goth phase. Long, straight black hair, heavy on the makeup, dark eyes, darker lips. You know, she's she's quiet. Some would say mysterious. But, you know what? When you put a pair of sticks in her hand, she's fucking fiery, man. I can't fucking explain how fiery she gets. Like, oh shit. The shit she can do is fan-fucking-tastic. <laughs> yeah, so, that's my band. That's The Hive. The Hive. The hive. Hi. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nice. We're, uh, yeah, we're the Hive. We're Hell's infamously violent emissaries, but we just go back. You know, so. So, as, as Travis is driving, Travis leans by and goes, So, Zach, man, I am so excited for college, bro. Like, finally no parents, man. Like, fuck yeah! Yeah, dude, that's probably the only cool thing about college, but you know what? Props for effort. I dig it. You know, says Brian, I'm actually really looking forward to studying calculus. That's fucking great, Brian. Eat my shorts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Alexis, how do you feel about this whole, you know, me being a college guy kind of thing? She kind of just shrugs and picks up sticks, and uh, she has, like, a little block of wood in front of her just to practice, and you just she or just, like, shred, like, a crazy drum solo on the wood for about 30 seconds, and then just, like, throws the sticks away and turns and turns around and looks out the window. 
So, bro, like, Zach, do you happen to have, like, a joint, man? Because I could really use one, bro, says Travis. Dude, do I have a joint? <laughs> Fuck yeah. He, uh, he pulls out, like, a little, uh, like a cigarette holder. And is it filled with, uh, with joints? It is filled with the dankest shit that he could get. Oh, yeah, the whole van just starts to dank. And you hear Travis go, oh, man, you brought the sticky icky, bro. <laughs> yeah, man, got it. Hey, man, it's our first week of school, you know? Gotta slack somehow. I I actually think that it could do possibly some pretty long-term damage to one's cerebral cortex. That's yeah. fucking great, Brian. You want some You want some fucking, I don't know, juice? So, uh, yeah. travel. Got a lighter? Like, I forgot mine at home. Yeah, bro! He... Oh, um, thank God. He, he, he pulls out a barbecue lighter, because of course he does. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Zach just, uh... Puts it in his mouth, kind of baptizes the, the joint, and uh, waits patiently. As you hit it, Brian, before you even offer to him, Brian goes, Um, I think I'm going to pass on this one because I need to stay clear mentally for the work that is to come in my academic career. Okay, fine, yeah. I didn't want to share with you anyway. That's fine. Cool. <clears throat> Yo, Alexis, you want some? She honestly just, like, juts out her hand without even saying anything. Just kind of, like, holds out her fingers ready to go. Zach just passes it all coolly. Kind of wry smile on his face. Oh, heck yeah. And Alexis hits it as she's just kind of continuing to, to drum slowly. Pass it off to Travis. Travis takes a long Woodstock hit. Oh, man! <laughs> this shit is kicking my ass, man! And as you're driving, you now see that the forest that kind of connects Oakhaven to Oakhurst is now ending. And you can see that the campus is growing in your view. The clock tower is the first thing that you see. And the rest of the campus comes into focus around the bend. If you're looking at the map, you see that that kind of street bends upward. And as you're driving, you all of a sudden feel the brakes slam. And everyone flies forward in the car. And Travis goes, oh, bros, I'm so sorry, but... He opens up the window and goes, look. And you see before you the school greenhouse the massive horticultural building oh are you thinking what i'm thinking man i'm thinking of growing some weed in that greenhouse man i wonder if they already have some you know man for Dude. like for like medical research bro yeah medical research yeah i dig it yeah that's like the only way that you can like you know because weed is still a class one drug in the 90s, you know, man? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, nothing's a class one drug if you know how to fucking, you know, stay cool. He pulls the van uh, into the forest that's kind of near the Horner Control building and hides the van a little bit. And he gets out and goes, do you want to break into this thing or what do you want to do? Like the, the horticulture building? Heck yeah, man. You know what? Fuck it, sure, let's do it. Oh, yeah! I actually think that that is not a good idea. That's great, to... you can watch the car, Brian. Uh, yes, yeah, totally great idea. That's, that's like visionary of you, man. Sweet. <laughs> Alexis stands up without saying anything and gets out the car and heads towards the horticulture boat. I'm gonna follow and kind of hair waving in the wind. <sighs> it feels good to be on the road, you know? <laughs> So, as you walk up to the school 
horticultural building, you see that it is lined with a little garden in front. So there's a bunch of fruits and vegetables of all kinds kind of growing out and herbs and things like that. And the building, it looks pretty quiet right now. And you see that on the back of it are attached uh, three very large greenhouses. Cool. Do you see anyone? He looks around. No, man, I think they're all over by the Welcome Week thing. That's like way over there. Oh, sweet. Okay, let's uh, let's just see if we can take a look around, you know? Because I've got uh, I've got horticulture as a uh, as an elective, so I I should see what I'm uh, doing here, you know? Yeah. That's like the most academically responsible thing you can do. Yeah, totally. Until we take all the weed, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Alexis <laughs> hasn't said anything. She again just beelines to the back and goes towards the greenhouses. <laughs> So as you head to the back of the greenhouses, uh, you see that, yes, uh, they, they have many a window, and all the windows seem to be cracked. That's a pretty big crack. I think uh, I think one of us could fit in there and maybe open the door from the back. And he kind of looks to Alexis, who is, like, the most petite of the group. She kind of gives you, like, a little salute, silently runs up in, like, perfect form and jumps and dives directly through the window, rolls on the ground like a silent cat, and just sprints and unlocks the door quietly. That's why you're my favorite, Alexis. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) You've now entered the greenhouse, and it's much hotter in here, and you see that there are much more exotic plants here that are being grown. Cool. Yeah, he's gonna kind of take a look around. And then you just hear a call going, Hey, Zach, check this out, man! What do you got for me, Trap? And you kind of weave through some of the maze of the greenhouse, and sure enough, you see there looking at you are three massive pot plants, standing about five feet each. Dude, <laughs> you were totally fucking right about this. Dude, I'm you. You are my new favorite. Oh, Hell yeah. Man. Dude, dude, this is... Oh, man, Nancy Reagan would shit her pants. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, with this much weed, Nancy Reagan would fucking join in. Let's oh! do it. So, like, uh, how many should we take, man? I mean, like, is it in bloom? Can, can you tell? He looks at them, and they're uh, the, the the biggest of the three. He goes, yeah, this one's good, man. She's almost ready to go. Fuck, not ready, eh? Almost. Almost. Well, you know, I'm sure we could, uh, it's, it's, it's my, uh, my elective, so... So I should uh, keep uh, keep a plant alive so that I can prove that I can keep plants alive. I, so I also agree, I just agree, picked man. this one at, at random, and, well, I don't know what it is. Like, I'm just a good old-fashioned, blue-blooded American citizen who doesn't do any of that hoo-ha jibber-jabber, you know what I'm saying? Well, fuck it, let's just take it. He, he helps you pick it up. It's, it's quite heavy. Alexis is on guard, and she's kind of looking around, and she she waves you down as if the coast is clear. Cool. Uh, Zach will just kind of follow Alexis's uh, cue there. Wonderful. Back to the uh, the old beaten up van. Okay, so you open up the van and Brian there is going, Oh my god, did you honestly steal the biggest pot plant in the world? No, but you know what? I'm sure with a little TLC it could be the biggest pot plant in the world. I think I'm going to get some great grades this year, you know? Now, as you're standing outside the van, your guitar case is still in your hand. And you hear a whistle, like as if someone's whistling with their fingers. And you hear, oh, look at these assholes here. 
Yo. And you turn around, and what you see is yours is a gang of four. You also see a gang of four. There is a very tall, thin man with golden blonde hair and bright blue eyes. And all behind him are a bunch of other people with blonde hair and blue eyes. And uh, they're wearing what look to be like some sort of tall sock lederhosen type thing. And the and they, they giggle. And the leader musically silences them and they all stop at the same time laughing. Hey, uh, just, uh, just driving on through what's what's up dude just looking at your stupid shirt man you what do you like it was the times <laughs> and the whole group goes <laughs> and he silences them again and they just stop laughing sax gonna look back to his group like as like as if like what <laughs> dude uh you must be like the leader of the hosers right that's that's what you're wearing that's your that's your uniform there how do you get so like fashion forward the group around him kind of looks at you suspiciously, and he goes, So clearly you do not know who we are, then. I don't think anyone knows who you are, dude, but, like, I'm sure you're trying. So, so good on you for that. I am a very, very famous musician in many circles. My name is Johann von Boss. Ah, Johann. Cool. I am the greatest classical music musician prodigy of the age! <laughs> And his whole team laughs, and he silences them again. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's it's not that hard to be uh, uh, the greatest classical musician of the age, because, well, you know, all the people who listen to that have been dead for 400 years, so that's cool. Good for you, man. Oh, you make your jibs and your jabs, but you're not very funny, okay? You have stupid shirts and your van sucks. <laughs> and, and, and they all laugh, but instead of quiet them, he gives them a crescendo and they like crescendo in their laugh. And then he goes, tenas! You hear like them laugh in pitch and they're making like a three-part <laughs> harmony and he silences them. Oh my okay. God. Okay, <laughs> listen, buddy, buddy, come on. I gave you a pass the first fucking time, but you don't disrespect the fucking queen, you know? That's just... It's not a thing. Listen, you douchebag asshole. If you really want to show how cool you are with some music, maybe you should stop by the welcome mixer tonight and we'll see who's the real players, hmm? Oh, I'm the douchebag. I'm the douchebag who's not wearing lederhosen. Cool. That's... Wow. This place is just as grandiose as, uh, as my stepdad told me. So, wow. Good for you. Cool. Oh, make your lame-ass jokes, but unless you can pick it up and speak with your music, you're nothing to me. And until you can play music, you don't have what it takes to run with the box squad, bitch. The, the box... <laughs> Dude, our music would fucking blow your mind. So yeah, I'll do you a favor. I'll show you what real music's all the fuck about. Okay? Cool. This mixer thing, where, where's it at? It's in the welcome center. Yeah. He like snaps his fingers and one of his cronies gives him the uh, note and he gently, quietly folds it to a paper airplane and like throws it at your nose. <laughs> Just hits him in the nose, unfazed. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, glad you've got an origami friend. Yeah, that's, that's useful. <laughs> We've got one of those too. Hey, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Brian literally makes a penguin in, in like a fraction of the second that it took Johan oh. to make it. Wow. Looks like that's one more thing we're better than you at, eh? 
Okay, well, I guess we'll just have to say harmonies at midnight, hmm? And we'll see who the real musicians are. Box Squad, oot! Okay, you know what? Man, that guy was, yeah, that guy was like a fucking dick, eh? I think that the sticky was a little too icky, if you know what I'm saying. Holy shit. Ugh. You know what would be a real fucking dick move? What? If we systematically slept with every one of his friends. <laughs> Dude, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Bone the box squad? Yeah, fuck yeah. We'll call them the bone squad, you know? Oh my god. god. And then he pulls out a cross joint and goes, I think it's time for a celebration. Hell yeah, dude. And our camera fades to black. Holy shit, I love Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And Johan. And on that note, our camera goes down a small paved path that's much more narrow. More buildings are kind of squished between them. There is a large stark building covered in ivy with only one window near the very base of the building. And our camera enters that bottom window and we see that we're in a tiny closet with the door cracked open. And the closet has different test tubes and some other equipment in it. And as the camera pans through that door, we see that we're in a lab. And the lab is very clean, stark, and there is uh, not really a whole lot of light. And it's very, very, very dark in here. But we see a single person standing over some test tubes writing some notes. And Dr. Egan, which is Kim. Mm-hmm. What do we see? So what you see is sort of, you know, your typical biochemistry lab setup. It's got various equipment over in the corner. There's a centrifuge, fume hood, that kind of stuff. And at the table is Dr. Elizabeth Egan, as you said, who looks like she's kind of like early 30s. She's kind of looking at some some lab printouts, which are, of course, printed on a dot matrix printer, which has that like accordion paper that you kind of tear off tabs on the side. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you would see that she's about five feet, 10 inches, and she's very slender. And she has dark brown eyes, very delicate facial features, and long fingers um, on it on very delicate hands and perfectly manicured manicured red nails of course mm. now her skin is pale and if you stand close enough to her you'll notice that she has very heavy foundation on but not just on her face and neck but also on her hands and arms which is which is sort of strange for those who notice it but most people assume she's just kind of covering up a skin condition or tattoos her hair is long and straight and very dark brown, almost black in certain, certain lights. And she regularly wears it in sort of a nicely coiffed bun. And today she's wearing a business suit because she always likes to wear business suits uh, at work. But because it's orientation week and she likes to make a statement, she's wearing today her red power suit, which is sort of a deep yet vibrant red that kind of matches perfectly with her nails and her lipstick. And of course, the uh, the suit, the blazer part has ginormous shoulder pads. She has a white blouse under it and a red pencil skirt. 
And of course, she is known for being the only faculty member who wears very, very high heels when she's working. And today she is sporting a nine West black heel with a very slightly flared base of the heel. So she's kind of rocking that sexy librarian, sexy businesswoman look. So I'm looking kind of back and forth between the data and the microscope and the test tubes. And she picks up next to her a little mini tape recorder um, with all those little mini tapes that go in there. And she presses record and she says, experiment 44, the enhanced protein maintains cell integrity by 10 hours. Better than the last experiment, but still not good enough. Uh, note to self, uh, for the next step, uh, oh blast, I don't know what the next step is. And she kind of puts her head in her hands and she's just kind of like resting on the, the table in front of her. Has anyone told you that you work way too damn hard? <laughs> you hear a soft and booming voice behind you. Oh, good lord, Jeremy. You scared me. <laughs> <laughs> In the doorway, you see the silhouette of who you know is Dr. J. Renner, otherwise known as Dr. Jeremy Renner. <laughs> he, he's really a marvel of a professor, and... <laughs> He is a hawkeye when it comes to these the science oh, of biology. Oh no! So, uh, yeah. Hopefully, we don't get sued by Disney. I know. So, Doctor Doctor Jeremy Renner walks into the room, and you see that he is about five six. He is a strong built man, burly with full black hair that's kind of combed backwards, and he's just graying on his sides. So he's a little bit shorter than you. But he, and he's got this kind of uh, five o'clock shadow and he walks in and goes, oh, well, Elizabeth, you just, you work so damn hard. Come on. Have you ever heard of relaxing? Please. It's the school hasn't even started yet. And he walks in and he shuts the door kind of gently behind. <laughs> I know, but this is orientation week. It's the only time that I have to work on my research without the students coming in. Oh, um, I was wondering, I don't know if you saw the note in your mailbox, I, I had some rather strange results in the last few experiments that I ran with the samples from the Palmer lab. Um, I can't make heads or tails of it. I was, I was wondering if you could be a second pair of eyes on the data. I uh, just need the, uh, the second opinion, eh? Mm, yes. <laughs> well, I could use something to add to my lecture notes for this coming week. Yeah, absolutely. Please. He I kind of that. gently walks and opens up his arm to give you the way and goes, lead the way, boss. <laughs> Excellent. Um, the data are just back in my office. Go, let me just clean up here for a bit and I'll meet you outside in the hallway. Sounds great. All right. So she cleans up and she uh, opens up a file drawer that has about two locks on it and she puts away her her data and, and kind of stores away the test tubes in their proper location and she locks it very carefully makes sure it's nice and, and, and locked up and she leaves the lab and locks it up as well and she heads down now we're in the basement and her her office is in yes. the corner of the of the the basement. All right, so we head down the hallway uh, to the corner office, and unlock the office. And what you see in the office, it's a fairly sizable office, but because it's in the basement, there are no windows. 
and it sort of painted a pinky terracotta color and because of the lack of windows it has sort of a little bit of a cave-like feel just like the lab when you enter the door to the immediate left there's some filing cabinets and on the left and right walls there are two wooden bookcases which contain obviously books as well as some old looking knickknacks like little stone statuettes um, some old kind of cracked jars and vases kind of like the stuff that you would buy at a bazaar in mexico or egypt when you're on vacation now, set back from the far wall is her desk, and the desk is made of wood as well, and it has a it has very little on it except for like a desk blotter, a pencil cup, and a stack of papers. She goes into her office, and she heads towards her desk, and instead of going behind her desk to retrieve the data, she turns around, and she kind of leans against the front of her desk, kind of, you know, a little seductively, and she kind of, you know, popping her knee to the side just kind of kind of looking at him going come in and close the door wow this must be some secret information he kind of steps into the door and quietly shuts it again so where is the uh information that you got here? What, uh, oh my god now come here and kiss me <laughs> oh, wow of... <laughs> He kind of chuckles to himself and goes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and just like wa walks up and gently kisses you. Mm. And she responds with a much deeper, much more aggressive kiss. <laughs> <laughs> then he, he's, he's taken aback by it. <laughs> so she kind of pulls back and she looks at him and she says, I want you to whisper in my ear everything that you want to do to me right now. I want to know your deepest desire. He does. Okay. So after he whispers in her ear, she pulls back and looks at him again and says, what if I told you that I could make you experience everything that you just described right now? I'd say that you're a miracle worker. <laughs> of course you would <laughs> the only thing is I need a little something from you in return I need your blood not a lot just just a little just some of it <laughs> let's just say that it's sort of my 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 kink now, you, of course, can say no, but would you do this for me? Would you help me experience what you desire? I'm going to have you roll turn someone on. Turn someone on? Okay, here we go. Okay, so that is, and turn someone is hot, so that is an 11. He unbuttons the top of his shirt and he presents his neck to you. Oh, <laughs> you are an eager boy, aren't you? <laughs> Just one moment. So she walks over to uh, the bookcase on her right. Mm -hmm. And although it's quite heavy, she pulls the bookcase out from the wall like a door with, with great ease. And right behind it, there's another secret door. And she opened that, that one up too. And she says, go ahead, go inside. 
he does. She follows him inside and closes the bookcase door and the other door and locks it. And now Elizabeth chose this corner office for a reason. Now her main office is a converted lounge for the janitorial staff and the room we're in now is the former supply closet, which is pretty sizable. Um, She wanted an office that was out of the way and had no adjoining office. And what you see in the room is that she has soundproofing material on all four walls and the ceiling. On the far wall is a large black metal cabinet and next to it is what looks like a massage table, but it has some modifications. Um, Most notably, it has arm and leg restraints. And in the middle of the room is a solid wooden chair that kind of looks like an old timey dentist chair because it's mounted to the floor and has a lever on the side. (laughs) There there are some other small pieces of furniture, kind of like a Uh stool, a small table, some chairs around the perimeter of the room. And in the middle of the floor, there's a drain. Now, because this was a storage closet, it was once used to kind of dispose of like dirty water and chemicals and things like that. But note that despite the renovations to the rest of the room, she's not removed the drain. And... I will just leave that piece of information out there for you to make your own conclusions. <laughs> Blooding. Uh, yeah! <laughs> so she motions to the, to the chair and she says, Go ahead, sit down. Oh, he does. Like, <laughs> like, <"Zhoom." laughs> yeah, like, down. <laughs> and she goes over to him and she sort of slowly hikes up her skirt so she can straddle his legs and she sits down his lap, puts her arms around his neck and plants a long, deep kiss on his lips. Don't worry, you can trust me. You can always trust me. And she pulls back and she looks into his eyes again, but this time it's a much more intense, a much deeper stare. So. This is when I'm going to use my monster move of hypnotic. So it's, uh, so just to explain what okay. it is, it's like it sounds. And the 10, 10 and above rule is um, that the hypnosis works and they do exactly what you wish and have no idea that anything is wrong. Um, if I roll a seven to nine, the hypnosis works, but there's one of three options that happen, and and I choose the option. It's they realize exactly what you've done to them. The second one is they fuck up your commands, and the third one is their sanity is un- unhinged. So, uh, and then of course, if it's uh, mm. six or below, it's a failure. So here we go. We're gonna see if this hypnosis works. All right, that is a ten. Woo! Oh, you bet it works. So they do exactly what you wish. (laughs) So here's what happens. She looks deeply into his eyes and says, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to you and what you are going to imagine and what you're going to do for me. She reaches into her blouse and she takes out a chain and on the end of the chain is a long cylindrical pendant that's a box and she unscrews the lid of the box and inside is this very small but very sturdy looking knife. On the hilt, it's sort of got an antique patina and in that hilt is what looks like runes carved into it. She holds it up in front of him and she says, I'm going to use this to put a cut in your neck. 
You will not be a big one, and I will give you something that will make sure it will heal completely in a few days. When you feel the cut, you will start to imagine that you are experiencing everything that you just whispered to me out there. Every touch, every kiss, every taste. It will feel like you are really experiencing it. And after I'm done feeding, and when I close the door after you leave my office, you will remember none of this. All you remember is that you came by to help me with some research. You enjoyed your time here. And you might like to come back again sometime. Do you understand? Yes, mistress. <laughs> Good boy. I'm, I'm thinking that on that note, we kind of fade to black on that scene. All right. <laughs> God damn, Kim. Oh my wow. goodness. <laughs> Transition to a shot of an open field. In fact, the field that is makes up the clearing that is a part of, of course, the massive New England forest that surrounds the entire campus. And stumbling outside of the forest, we see a young, attractive woman and she makes her way towards the campus. She's holding a pan-sized translucent grape leaf in her hand, and she seems to be looking at it, and it's a pale blue hue that this grape leaf gives off, and it almost kind of ripples against her face like water. And the high grass that makes up the clearing almost seems to gently part around her as she walks around it. And as she passes the wildflowers in the meadow, they seem to kind of follow her as she passes by, almost subtly. So that brings us to Iris. Carla, what do we see? So, Iris Greenwood, you see a, well, she's attractive, as Eric said, uh, but she's a petite woman. She has olive skin, long, light brown hair that's up in this big, messy bun on top of her head. And in the bun are all these wildflowers kind of stuck into it in all these different places. And she has small facial features with these big hazel eyes that are very, very uh, mesmerizing. And she has these strappy sandals on, leather strappy sandals, and she's wearing overalls or suspend, wait, no, overalls that have all of these different colored squares that make it up. These, uh, these overalls, and she's just wearing the overalls, nothing underneath, um, but it covers up everything like a tank top would, and it's the, it's the length of shorts, pretty much. And on her back, covered up slightly by the straps of these overalls, you can see the outline of a tattoo, a black ornate tattoo of fairy wings. And you can just see the tips of the fairy wings on her shoulders. And I think that's about everything. Wonderful. So you're holding this grape leaf that kind of acts as a notepad for you with some instructions that were given to you by your aunt. And what it has on it is it has your dorm room. It has your time of when you should register by, which is 4 p.m. And it has that you are scheduled for a shift, a orientation shift inside Oak Haven. There is a little job that your aunt has set you up with at a place called Coffee Bob's. 
And as you're walking through the meadow, you notice that the massive clock tower that you can see in the distance begins to chime four times. She kind of gives like a gasp and she just starts jumping up and down really fast and she goes, oh! Okay, 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 let's go, let's go. Um, okay, uh, time of registration. Okay, we got this, we're good, okay. And then she starts running, and then she stops, runs back, realizes she dropped her bags, picks them up, and then just starts running towards campus. So, just as the tall grass did before you, none of the grass or anything that's uh, made of plants that can bend relatively easily, none of that gets in your way. They all kind of part for you as you go by and you finally arrive on the edge of the actual campus and you see that it's bustling with people just people all sorts of ages just walking around they're talking laughing some of them are running around the energy is contagious what do you do she starts briskly walking into the crowd and everyone she sees it's a hi hi there oh hi i'm iris hi and she starts waving hi to everybody as she walks past yeah, so she's turning to everyone she sees with like a, hi, hi, and she's looking for a some, someone that looks official that could help her find her way to the registration. There are these students walking around with these official Oakhurst shirts on. You see that they kind of have this, this large tree uh, with an O surrounding it and they are walking around. It's these kind of uh, dark green shirts and they have a bunch of uh, information and they're, they're talking to new students and things like that. She slowly approaches one of them. Are they talking with anyone, Eric? Or are they kind of just- One is not, no. She drops her bags, walks up, and just gives them the biggest hug and says, Hi, oh I'm God. Iris, I'm so happy to be here. She doesn't let go. She's still holding on as he starts talking. <laughs> the student is noticeably shocked and they go, help you you're welcome so happy and you feel like like a little pity tap on your arm she pulls back not completely just kind of moves her face in front of theirs and goes i'm new it's my first day here i'm iris iris greenwood i'm looking for and she pulls up the the grape leaf registration oh Oh yeah, of course. Uh, they point to a giant tent. That now, now, now that you're looking at the tent, you see that there was a pretty big sign that says registration just outside of it. And oh. <laughs> that's embarrassing. She still has her arms around them. And she just looks back and says, "I'm just so excited. I completely forgot. You humans have so much energy. I just feel like I'm going to burst." And then she lets go, grabs her bags leans in, kisses him on the cheek, and says, thank you so much, have a great day. And she starts walking towards registration. He thinks to himself as you walk away, us humans. And that's the last that we see of that dude. Goodbye. <laughs> so you make it to the registration tent, and most of the students have actually come and gone. You see that right now, uh, most of the registration crew are actually packing up, ready to go, and there is just one that looks to be an older student, possibly even faculty. They're probably in their late 30s, early 40s, and they're just sitting there with a look on their face that they're not having it. She runs up, puts down her bags, puts her elbows on top of the, the desk, and like kind of crouches down to their level and says, Hi, I'm Iris. I'm here to register. Wow. Well, you certainly came to the right place. I know. I saw the sign. Okay. So you want to re register or, 
or, or, or what? Yeah, she takes the paper in front of them and just says, yeah, I'm here to register. Do I write my name down somewhere? I can spell it. Okay, can you spell your name, please? And she starts writing her name. Anywhere? And she draws a flower and her name and then hands it back to him. Okay, that's great. Listen, so Iris Greenwood, yep, okay, so you're going to want to go to mm -hmm. your dorm, which is the treetop dorm, so, oh, big spender, and hope you enjoy that. <gasps> I love that. trees! Oh, good, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not a tree, it's just, it's just a name, you know, there's, there's the, the treetop, there's the trunk, and then there's the roots, and those are the three things you know it's all creative branding it doesn't matter anyways just yeah i am so meant to be so, here oh i great fantastic so yeah you can go now goodbye iris greenwood i hope we never meet again thank you kind stranger she takes the flower out of her hair tucks it between the person's ear and just smiles goes to leave again <laughs> realizes she forgot her bags one more time runs back grabs them smiles again and then you, you notice two things, Iris. I'm going to kind of give you the choice here. Sure. So you do have your dorm uh, spot picked out. Uh, so you can do that. But you also know that your shift is at 5 p.m. So I'll let you decide where you'd like to go. She's going to go to her dorm. She's going to start okay. going to her dorm. She wants to put her bags down because she's realizing they're a nuisance. Okay, so you head to the most expensive dorm, which is the treetop dorm. And instantly, when you walk to the dorm, you are met with a massive oak tree water fountain. That's pretty cool. It's almost like a, a oak tree line covers this entire dorm specifically to give you privacy because everyone has a balcony as well that and oh, as, as you pass through you see that there's a bunch of these outside line balconies some of them have hot tubs on them some of them have like yoga studios and there are <laughs> oh my god and you walk in and, and, and just these massive, beautiful oak doors. And you walk in and you just hear like, you know, the beautiful sound of classical music. And a butler runs up to you and goes, excuse me, uh, madam, would you like some hot towels? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> she's looking all around like she's just overstimulated from everything. And then she puts her bags down and goes up to the water fountain and puts her hands in the water. And she picks up some water and brings it back to the butler. And she's like, do you see this? It is very beautiful indeed. I do agree. <gasps> I'm sorry. What did you say? I, I may have forgotten. My name, madam? Everything. Just tell me everything about yourself. Here. Oh, and then she goes over and puts the water back in the fountain and then dries her hands on her overalls and then stands back in front of him. Well, my name is... Jeeves. Uh, I did have a different name, but uh, when I was four, my parents decided that being a butler was my profession, so they legally changed my name to Jeeves just to make the transition easier. And uh, I did drive, I drove an ambulance during World War II next to Her Majesty the Queen, and I was awarded a special medal, and then... Iris has walked away, and she's looking at um, something else in the room while he's talking. Wow. <laughs> Would the madam like me to carry her bags to her room? Jeeves? Hmm. Um, what? What do you want me to call you? You said that you, you had your name changed. Do you want me to call you something else? I could call you whatever you want. We're friends. I live to serve at your pleasure, madam. You may call me whatever you desire. Oh, oh there's so many names. 
You know what? I'll decide later, but here. And she gives the bags to him. Thank you so much. You are the kindest person ever. And she picks another flower out of her hair and puts it behind his ear. <laughs> Take me to my dorm. Would the madam like to be carried to her room? You mean like, yes? <laughs> Very well. He like snaps his fingers and you see like a little pony like comes out of, of the entrance. <laughs> what? He's like, please, please <laughs> oh get... Please get on the pony, madam, and it will bring you to your room. It is trained to know where to go. She kneels down in front of the pony. I can't believe I'm saying this right now. She kneels down in front of the pony in her dorm, like flattens his ears, and then puts her hands on the pony's cheeks and just says, Hi, I'm Iris, and sees what it says. The pony looks at you, and you just hear the pony's voice go, Fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, stick it to the pony. No, another one, eh? Oh, I bet they're gonna have to carry me all the way to the third floor. What do they think? Just because I'm a pony, I'm just a workhorse? That's all I am to these people. Just a goddamn workhorse. Oh, I better have carrots based in honey after this, no. or I'm gonna lose my goddamn shit. No, no. Jeeves, this pony needs to be released into the wild. Madam, it was raised in captivity. But it's all it no. knows, madam. No, no, may I have this pony? <laughs> she starts going, come here, come here, pony. And she goes to the door. She's like, come here, buddy. He kind of goes, oh, well, you know, if they just gave me some food, maybe I would just be okay. But no, now I'm hangry. Now I'm just one hangry fucking pony. <laughs> no, 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 come here. I'll let you free and you can do whatever you want. I highly doubt it. You know what I want to do? I want to race cars, but nope, no thumbs for me. <laughs> she kind of looks at him shakes her head and just goes Meh, and then she goes back to Jeeves and she says okay I'm ready to go up to my dorm now very well madam you 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 feel like the pony puts your belt in his mouth and like throws you up and you kind of land Whoa. on him and he just he just kind of starts to trod and and you hear Jeeves go uh carrots please bring our guest to a room 327 yes and the horse goes uh, the pony goes yeah, but you hear, fuck you, and it just kind of trots off. <laughs> you have arrived at your room. She hops off, carrots, gives him a little pat, and says, Stop being so grumpy, my friend. Things will turn up. And she, she grabs her bags from Jeeves. Yeah, Jeeves is actually already there. He like oh. it, it for he's he's just manifested there and he's waiting for you holding the bags. Hey, you are, madam. <laughs> Oh, I'm so excited. I've never had a dorm room before. Should I open it? Should I say something? I always find that it's best to open up and say, home sweet home, madam. It's very classy. <laughs> Jeeves, you're my bestest friend. And you to me, madam. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, I'm gonna do it. She puts her hand on the handle and turns it and says, home sweet home. And she throws the door open. <laughs> All right. So what you're looking at is a very large uh, center room with a uh, very large kitchen with a an island kind of sticking out of that. And it's a... Attached to it is a living room with a massive screen TV that leads you uh, with a fireplace underneath with a patio door God. that leads you outside and you see your patio door outside and you have your little private patio and on that patio is a hot tub. <gasps> Damn. 
Nice. That oh, gasp I... was that gasp was me. That was legitimately <laughs> excited for my character to have a hot tub. She does a lap around the room, just touching everything and just going, oh, oh my, oh, oh my gosh. And she starts going around and touching everything in the room, then runs out, hugs Jeeves, and then runs back in and goes out to the patio and opens the doors. So you fling the doors open and the cool fall air hits you. Uh, it's just cold enough that the, the hot tub is just steaming. She goes back to the hot tub, undoes her overalls, and just naked goes into the hot tub. <laughs> so, so Jeeves, now that he sees that you've taken off your clothes, he kind of like <laughs> averts, averts his eyes very tastefully and kind of goes, I'm so pleased that the madam enjoys it. Um, I, I must be going. And you see him kind of extend his hand out to you with an open palm as if he's waiting for something. Oh, she picks a flower out of her hair and chucks it at him. He catches it and he looks and he goes, Madam, you are very peculiar, if you don't mind me saying so. Thank you. That's what my mom says. It's good to be unique. Well, I will be going and um, thank you for the flower, madam. Of course. If you want more, just ask. I have a bunch. Oh, thank you. And you see him kind of like tuck it behind his ear. He's bald, so it really sticks out on his head. He tucks it behind his ear. Oh, she smiles. He turns around and he promptly leaves and shuts the door. She just turns back around so she's laying in the hot tub. And then she just goes, oh gosh, I'm so happy I'm here. You see, now that you turn around in the hot tub, you see that there is a clock on the wall outside and Mm -hmm. the clock reads 10 to 5. (laughs) Just goes, "Eh," and then just stays in the hot tub. All right. So as you <laughs> as you shrug off the beginning of your shift. She's forgotten. She legit <laughs> has forgotten. That's the thing. She's not being mean. She just forgot. <laughs> you relax in the hot tub. You can't hear this because it's now the Jeeves shut the door to the inside, but your phone begins to ring and your answering machine just goes, You have reached room three two seven. We cannot get to the phone right now, but please leave the message. Beep. And you hear, Oh, uh, oh, uh, is this, is this ours? This, this is Coffee Bob here. And it's, there's, there's a lot of students. And, and you were supposed to be here. Like, uh, the, the, the message clearly said, please show up 30 minutes before the orientation shift. Oh, this is okay. You know, get you your oxygen. And the phone just cuts off. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she's just chilling in the hot tub. She's like splashing things bubbles having a good time and our camera fades to black Hey there. Thanks for listening. 
Tall Tale Theatre Collective is proud to announce that we are expanding our podcast network to now feature two programs. We will continue to present our horror series, Night Terrors. Welcome to a world of thrills, threats, and terrors. Night Terrors is an anthology radio play podcast that will bring you face-to-face with your nightmares. Come listen, if you dare. Introducing our newest program, Fantasy Fantasia, which includes two RPG podcast campaigns. The first is Dungeons & Dragons Legend of the Silver Flame. Experience laughs, suspense, and triumph with a motley crew of adventurers who could be the last hope against great evil long thought to be vanquished. The second is Monster Hearts Undergrad. Follow the tale of romance, mystery, desire, and murder as an unlikely bunch of mostly pubescent monsters navigate their social, academic, and supernatural lives at Oakhurst College. Listeners even get the chance to weigh in on the action of both campaigns. For more, visit our website at www.talltaletheater.com. Talltale Theater Collective. Grow with us.